0: Good week. Um, I've had a great week. Uh, Simon and I um, got to go away this week for three days to um, an in depth theological forum or conference run by the guy that you saw on the screen there, uh, Andrew Wilson. So it's a three days' intensive study in the book of Romans. So my brain hurts. So help me. I'm doing my best to string the sentences together. Even the students there were incredibly learned. Uh, On the first day, I sat next um, to a guy who's a theology professor um, who travelled into the UK, amongst other things, to come uh, to this conference. And he's involved in Bible translation and is familiar with a hundred different languages. A hundred different languages. So obviously, that was that was very, uh, it worked out very well because um, during the technical, tricky bits of the Book of Romans, I was able to lean over to him and, um, you know help him where he got stuck, so that worked out extremely well, he, he said that he'd never heard insights quite like mine into the book of Romans, so I think he found that particularly useful. Um, I came away from that, and I was just, just afresh, um, just so grateful to God uh, for the gift of teachers to the church. You know, Andrew Wilson's an example of that, he runs a website called Think Theology if you want to look it up, um, but also for the teachers that God has given us as a church. And you'll know that's you because you'll have seen a video like that and something inside you'll go, yes, I I want to study more, to know more, in order that I might then help others grow in their faith. And some of you, you know, you're going to be called to a platform to speak. Others of you, it's going to be a small group or one-on-one, Somebody's just become a Christian to teach them things that they might be well-grounded and rooted in their faith. And I just felt it was appropriate to honor that gift here this morning and to say that we, we value that and esteem that highly. And so here's what I'd like you to do. If you, if you know that there's a sense of a call in your life to whatever extent to help and teach others, would you just raise a hand in the air for me? Just say, look, that's, that's me, great. That is brilliant, guys. Having, having got you to do that, I'm going to be sneaky now. If you raised your hand, can I ask you to stand up? You may not have signed up for that to begin with, but I've lured you in there by deception. Look around, guys. This is wonderful. This encourages my heart so much. Here's what I'd love us to do. I'd love us just to pray for these guys. Would that be all right? That God would really anoint them. He would equip them. So you're going to stand up, lay a hand on them. It would be great if everybody who stood now had somebody laying a hand on them to pray. And I'm going to lead us. And pray for the teachers that God is giving us as a church. Would that be all right? So if you're around, somebody lay a hand on the shoulder. And I'm going to pray on behalf of us all. That's it. Now just as I pray, just get ready to receive from the Lord. Holy Spirit, we pray, come and rest on each person who stood here right now. We invite you, Holy Spirit, and we speak increase of your gift and your anointing on you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for the gift of teachers, Lord God. I pray would the Bible come alive to them that they might in turn bring it alive to others, Lord Jesus. I pray would you give them insights and revelation. Would you give them discipline of study. Would they read widely and thoroughly in order they might see others well-rooted and established in their faith. We speak it over them now in the name of Jesus. We say to you, Father, that we want to be a people of the Spirit, but a people of the Word that we, the word might dwell richly in us, we pray, Lord God. I pray for each person stood here, that they would uh, have an opportunity to input others around them, to bless them richly, not just to share information, but to draw others on, onto an encounter with you, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Fabulous. Let's thank these guys who are going to teach faithfully in the church. Brilliant, guys. Thank you so much. Okay, well... If you were here last week, is that me? It's, it's my beard. I do apologise. I think what I should do in future is shave just one side of my face. To preach, yeah. Some of you would like to see that. Yes, thank you. Why, why did I say that? Anyway, Let's try that again. Um, Those of you here last week will know that we had the TSM graduations, Uh, so those people have done a year's uh, study with us, and it was a wonderful time by all accounts. But the week before that, we started a new series uh, called The Culture Crunch, and uh, Phil got us off to a a brilliant start. And essentially, what we're wanting to do is we wanted to know, how do we take our culture, the five words that we've used to define our culture, and apply it to the nitty-gritty of everyday life? of the way that we relate to one another and interact with one another. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at subjects like uh, communicating with courage and saying what needs to be said rather than backing off. We're gonna be looking at dealing with control. We're gonna be looking at how you know uh, to be responsible but not over-responsible and where the line lies with that. Resolving conflicts and a whole load of other issues that you have got sorted but the person next to you really needs to hear, okay? <laughs> so we're gonna be working our way through all of these kind of subjects. And my hope is that it's gonna be very helpful and very practical because we want to have the kind of preaching that you know how to live out on a Monday morning. And that's what we're gonna be aiming to do over the next few weeks. Phil got us off to a fantastic start Looking at how we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. In other words, how we know to feed ourselves and speak to our own spirits in a way that builds us up. Because if we want to change and help anybody else, we've got to start first with us, haven't we? And if you missed it last week, do watch it on the podcast and also get the list of declarations that's in the notes section. I've got it on my computer now. I'm working it through on a day-by-day, praying it through and getting it into my spirit, okay? So that's what we did last time. Well, this week... We're going to be seeing what the Bible has to say about developing an attentive spirit. What it's got to say about developing an attentive spirit, both attentive to God, but also to the people around us. Because we can't speak to others unless we know first what it is to try and understand them and where they're coming from. And we've got a short passage from the book of James to get us started on this. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to it now. If you haven't, don't worry, it's going to come off on the screen behind me. Uh, Just as you find it, the context is James has been talking about trials and tribulations in the first part of James chapter 1. And in James's typical pithy shorthand style, he's now looking at what resources we've got to live out this life that God's called us to. And he writes in verse 17, so we're going to read verse 17 through to verse 20, just a short bit. He says this, every good and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, which literally means the one who made the stars, God who made the stars, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, our world is full of words, from talk radio to Twitter. James's instruction couldn't be more appropriate than it is now in the 21st century. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Do you realize that statistically, on average, you will have 30 conversations today with different people, that's the average. And during the course of those conversations, you will use thousands of words, tens of thousands of words. Uh, You can imagine my surprise to discover that it turns out that men and women use different numbers of words across the course of the day. And uh, I know this is going to be a shock to many of you, but men use on average 20,000 words during the course of a day, whereas women use ever so slightly more. Um, On average, (laughs) women will use 30,000 words across the course of a day. So that might just be because they're better at communicating than us guys. But thousands and tha- yeah, breach it. Yeah, <laughs> but thousands and thousands of words will be used by you and others across the course of this day. The question is, though, is anybody listening? Is anybody really listening? How many of us have had an experience like this? Maybe someone, just in an offhand way, uh, says to you, uh, "How are you doing? You okay?" And we just choose to be a little bit vulnerable in that moment, and perhaps we share something that's quite personal to us. Maybe, like, well, I'm okay, but I heard yesterday that my aunt has just died, and I was very close to her. And at which point they jump in and they say, You know, I know exactly what you're going through, let me tell you about grief. My hamster, Snuggles, died when I was aged eight. I sat on him, and uh, I I was so close to my hamster, and as I begin to share about it now, I realize, actually, I haven't fully processed it. Let me tell you all about it. And then they splurge a whole load of words all over you. Has anybody had an experience like that, where you just feel ambushed under this avalanche of words from somebody? But of course, we would never do anything like that, would we? If you ask someone whether or not they're a good listener, it's a bit like asking them whether or not they're a good driver. Apparently, 80% of people believe they are an above-average driver. Um, if you ask men, it's closer to 100% of men believe that they are a good driver. Uh, when in the survey I read, uh, the vast majority of men believe they were an excellent driver, but only 29% of them believe that their friends were good drivers. So, like, they were the best driver that they knew. Asking somebody if they're a good listener is a little bit like that. Everybody likes to think they're a good listener. Well, how about this? Why don't I take you through a few indicators of inattention, so not listening very well, and see how many you could put a tick to, how many you could say yes to. I'll take you through all 12. Um, You can at the end if you get all of them, but feel free to shout bingo. Um, There there won't be a prize, it's just that the ministry team will descend on you first at the end. That'll be the way that it works out. But see how many of these uh, you would be guilty as charged on. So the first one is this. Uh, Indicator of inattention, not listening to somebody well. Number one, speaking to someone on the phone whilst reading something on the internet at the same time. Uh, Anybody guilty? There's a few people hiding their eyes. That's an indication. Number two, assessing the merit of what the person is saying before they've finished saying it. So in other words, making a judgment on them before they've even finished their sentence. Number three, I don't think this actually comes up on the screen, but it's this. Preparing your next sentence whilst the person is speaking. So you're using the time they're speaking think about what you want to say, yeah? Yeah, okay. Some of you are like, yep, full house so far. Number four, thinking of how you can demonstrate your knowledge on a particular subject at hand whilst the person is speaking. So they're talking about something you think, I saw a documentary about that. I know this fact and I can chip that in in a moment. It does tend to be that many of us, um, if we're around people that we feel a little bit nervous about, we will want to impress them, and then we'll try and throw in facts about how knowledgeable we are, okay? So I used to find this, particularly when I was around leaders or people in authority, um, I would find that because I felt a bit nervous, my mouth would disconnect from my brain. Has anybody had this? And I, I would start a sentence with, without actually knowing how that sentence was going to finish, yeah? So that's the kind of thing that goes on. So. The starting sentences, not knowing how they're going to finish, and trying to impress somebody with what you know. Number five would be this viewing a, com- a conversation simply as taking turns at talking. So you say something, then I say something, you say something, I say something. Nobody's actually listening to anybody, we're just taking it in turns. Number six would be this thinking of a happy place while someone is speaking. So perhaps <laughs> somewhere where you've been on holiday, a place that what you're going to do this afternoon. Some of you, even right now might be in that happy place. Can I just say, come back, come back to us, yeah? Number seven is this, finishing someone's sentence for them. Some of us had mums who did that, then some of us do that for our spouses, finishing someone's sentence for them. Number eight, in a crowded room, maybe a party or something like that, listening to the more interesting conversation <laughs> the person next to you is having rather than the person you're actually talking to. You kind of lean that way a bit to listen in better. <laughs> Number nine is this: correcting someone's grammar or facts when they finish their sentence. Yeah, yeah. Some people are pointing fingers now. Try not to do that. That won't help. So it's like say, I think I think you actually meant to say whom, not who, in that. Or <laughs> I think you'll find it was Tuesday that happened, not on the Wednesday. That sort of thing shows you're you're not really listening with intent to understand. Number ten is this. Drifting eye contact, you look out of the window, maybe send a text on your mobile phone, that sort of thing going on. Number 11, fiddling with a piece of paper, cleaning your glasses, um, maybe inspecting your fingernails whilst you're talking to the person. Oh yeah, that must have been really traumatic for you. I'm terribly sorry that happened to you, that kind of thing where you're just totally losing concentration. And then number 12, which really gets to the heart of it all is this, listening with the intent to reply rather than the intent to understand. You're just interested in what you're going to say rather than trying to understand where they're coming from. So that's 12 indicators of inattention. Why don't you, why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them how you got on with that. You know, how, do you, how did you rate? Did you get all 12, in which case you really need to listen? How did you do? Okay, how did you do? It might even be worth thinking to yourself, if I was to score myself out of 10 as a listener, how many would I score myself? You know, am am I uh, I an eight, or am I more realistically a six or a four? Where do I I actually fall? And then be thinking to yourself, okay, well, if I'm at this point, how can I become a better listener? How can I be more uh, attentive to the people around me? But wherever we're at, I think we probably all agree that we've got a bit of an issue. Here's our problem. We want as a church to have a culture of honor and acceptance. But how are we going to honor and accept people if we can't even listen to them well? How are we going to do that? It's fundamental to honoring and accepting people. Fortunately, James has got a solution for us. He gives us some tools to be able to learn to connect with others. Let's just go back to the text for a minute. Uh, looking at this. Question of uh, being quick to hear, it's worth us asking, well, who is it we're meant to be hearing? You've got to ask questions of a text when you come to look at it. Uh, Is this passage saying that we should be quick to hear God and what He's got to say, or is the passage saying we should be quick to hear other people? Well, verse 17, uh, he says this that God gives us everything that's good. In other words, God has Out of his generosity, the Father has given us everything to bring us life, that he's made us spiritually alive, if you like, to use Romans there. And he's brought us alive through this word of truth, that God's spoken truth over our lives that helps us come alive. And then he says, let every person be quick to hear. But then after that, he goes on to say, be slow to speak and slow to anger, which seems to suggest it's directed towards people. So the verses leading up to it seem to be about God, and the verses after it seem to be about people. So who is he saying be quick to listen to? Is it God, or is it other people? Well, actually, I think the answer is both. It seems to be that James is saying that listening to other people well is linked to hearing God well for yourself first of all. Alec Mocher, who's a well-renowned theologian, he says this, James seems to mix together the two ideas of getting on with people and going on with God. In other words, that in order to get on with others, to demonstrate this acceptance and honour, we must first of all listen to God before we listen to them. So the priority is number one, be attentive to God and what he's got to say, and then you will by very nature of things be attentive to others around you. Paul puts it this way, that let the word of God dwell in you richly so that it's living with you, it's alive, and then it will spill out into the people around you. The key to connecting with others is that we're more aware of the reality of what God says than anything else. Then that changes the way that we live. Think of it this way. Um, Every day, uh, Emma and I get our children ready for school and then pack them off on their way. Now, you know, the, the hour or so leading up to them leaving the house is, you know, some days it goes very smoothly, other days, it resembles a 1970s disaster movie. There are people running around screaming, hair on fire, and the PE kit's missing, and all of that. It varies from day to day, if I'm honest with you. But along with my children having all their PE kit and their packed lunch, I also want them to go to school knowing who they are. I want them to understand their identity, that they are loved and appreciated by me, that they're chosen and loved by their Heavenly Father, that they're people of value and dignity. Because let's be honest, Parents here, when we pack our children off to school, even if it's a good school, we're exposing them to ridicule and teasing from other children and sometimes being in lessons where they're told they're nothing but the product of random chance and natural selection, that that's just an accident almost. They need to know who they are in the depths of their soul. That way they can rise above all the buffeting and competition that happens with their peer group. In just the same way, we need to hear the word of life for us and know who we are to operate effectively in the world that God's called us to be. And we get that into our soul in all manner of different ways, whether it's a church app or listening to Phil's talk from last time or whatever. Paul says in Philippians 2 that we want to hold fast to this word of life that's available in us. Psalm 1, which is just a beautiful psalm, Puts it like this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law, in other words, the words of God, the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. James is saying if you allow this truth, if you meditate on this truth to go to the very depths of your soul, that you're precious in his sight, that you're chosen, that you're adopted, that you're forgiven, that you're redeemed, that even the bad stuff he will turn to good for your life. If you'll do that, then it will spill over to everybody that you meet. If you're attentive to his voice, you'll become attentive to those around you. Otherwise, it's just techniques, people. You know, I love the fact that, you know, we can train in listening skills and techniques and reflecting back and asking questions and all the rest of it. But ultimately, this world doesn't need more techniques. It needs the sons and daughters of God to rise up and be who they're called to be. That's what this world needs. You see, if I know who I truly am, then I don't need more airtime in my conversation with you in order to feel valuable. I don't need to have 50% of the conversation to feel validated because he validates me. Whether I get space in the conversation doesn't ultimately matter or not. It, I don't have to compete to have the last word with you because he says I'm chosen and forgiven and loved. If I understand my identity, then I don't have to demonstrate to you how much I know on any particular subject. And of course, I, I know an awful lot, but I, I don't have to demonstrate it to you. I can keep quiet, I don't have to show off to you because I've already got my affirmation from him. It means too, if you say something critical to me, I don't immediately have to defend my reputation with you because my life is now hidden with Christ. It means that if I'm attentive to him and what he's saying, then I can tune in to his advice as I speak to you. It means that I'm no longer in a rush. Some of you just need to know that God isn't in a hurry. In your crazy, frantic world, God isn't in a hurry. And sometimes he will just hit the pause button for you and get you to pay attention to an individual. I was, a few weeks ago now, I met up with another guy to try and support a a guy who's going through some real difficulties. And we met up in McDonald's and chatted for an hour or so, hour and a half. And uh, this young man's got lots of troubles and difficulties. And he was saying a lot during the course of the conversation. Not all of it added up and made sense, but... Just in the middle of one sort of flow, he, he said, and, and also, I hate my feet. And then this other thing happened, and he's carried on. And it sort of stood out to me as a, a sort of odd thing to say. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, ask him about his feet, which seemed, you know, okay, you sure, Lord? You know, and, and in the end, when there was a pause, a lull in the conversation, I said to him, tell me, why, why is it you hate your feet? And he said to me, the thing is, PJ, I have um, to walk all the time if I sit still for a moment it's like all my problems catch up with me and my thoughts just invade me so I walk all day and all evening and my feet can't take it anymore they hurt all the time that's why I hate my feet and in that moment I thought I just see a little bit of who you are see a little bit of what you have to contend with and my heart broke for him in that moment, just because on that one instance I was able to hear God and listen to him properly. If I know who I am, I don't have to manage my image anymore because I'm now wrapped up in Jesus. If I'm attentive to the voice of God, then I'll know that I don't have to leap in and try and fix you. Some of us, uh, if if we're just reliant on ourselves then when someone comes to us with a problem, the danger is all we do is we see the problem We don't see the person that carries the problem. If you slow down and really listen, you'll see the whole person, not just this problem that needs to be fixed. And if I'm attentive to the voice of God, then I'll know that he sees everything and watches over everything. And that my sitting down and listening to somebody for half an hour is actually not just caring for them, but an act of worship to God because I'm expressing his love to those around me. How I treat you becomes part of honoring God with my life. If I'm attentive to God, then I'll know what it is to be attentive to others. Let's give you another example. A few weeks ago now, I was uh, down the front here and I got to uh, sit and talk and pray with somebody who um, had a really badly frozen shoulder. They had a rugby accident and um, they could only move their arm to about here. And we sat and we talked and I prayed for a bit um, and the arm moved up a little bit more and then we sat and I listened and we chatted and I prayed a bit more and then the arm moved up by the time, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes talking to this guy, he could finally raise his arm completely up and was able to wave it around. Amazing, just in that, in that one morning, God completely healed him. But I, the thing is, as I look back on that, I don't know what impacted him more, whether it was the fact that he could wave his arm around now, or someone had taken the time just to sit down and listen to him. As Simon said a few weeks ago, we can't guarantee that everybody we pray for gets healed, but we can guarantee that everybody experiences love. I remember another time, I'm just saying, God, who do you want me to speak to? In a sea of people, it can be hard to know. And I felt God highlight one lady to me. And as it happened, Wendy felt God highlight the same lady. So we sort of converged from different sides of the room and just sat down and just listened to this lady. I guess, again, 20 minutes, maybe, maybe a little bit more. And just got to talk with her. And she talked about how she'd felt isolated and unloved in the church. And it ended up being a really powerful time with her just because I was willing to attend to what God wants to say. If you learn to listen first to God, your life will become an adventure because you don't know what he'll do next or where he'll lead you or what he'll take you on to. James is saying be quick to listen, both to the voice of God and to others around you. You know, um, when it comes to listening, uh, we can speak at a rate of 180 words a minute. Some people about 160, that's the ballpark, 160 to 180 words a minute. But you can actually think at 400 words a minute. That gives you a, a spare capacity of more than twice, so over 200 words a minute spare to think. Now you can use that spare 200 words however you want. Some of you, you might be You know, you're on a happy place or thinking of what you're going to buy on eBay or what might be for dinner that night. Can I encourage you, use that spare God-given capacity to fully engage with the person that you're talking to. To be praying, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to say to them? Or trying to think, what is it like to do life as you? What's it like to walk through life in your shoes? I'd ask you, don't just listen, but be emotionally present with the people around them. Our society is full of really good talkers. We have precious few good listeners. Aim to become one of them. Because a proper conversation isn't about taking turns to speak. It's about connection. And if there's anything our fragmented world needs, it's connection. So that's the first thing James says, that be quick to listen to others. And then very briefly, I just wanted to touch on the second half of this verse 19, where James says this. He says, be quick to listen, but be slow to speak and slow to anger. I think the two go together, actually, because I think James is essentially saying this. He's saying, don't be hasty in what you say. If I ask for a show of hands, how many of us have used hasty words and it's got us into hot water, there'd be a forest of arms around the room. Some of you will be familiar with the story of a man who was riding the subway in New York. And uh, the writer says this, he said... uh, I boarded the underground train um, on the way home when a man came onto the tr- carriage with his three young boys. The boys then proceeded to run riot on the train, jumping around all over the seats and running up and down. Meanwhile, the father just sat on one of the chairs, phased out, completely oblivious to what his children were doing. It seemed like he was a completely disengaged dad. The passengers got more and more frustrated until finally one of them goes up to the father and says, "'Don't you realize your children are running riot here?' don't you know how to control them? At which point the dad seems to come round out of his haze and he says, oh, I'm really sorry. You see, we've just come from the hospital. My wife, their mother, just died. And I guess they don't know how to handle it. And if I'm honest, neither do I. Gulp. We jump to conclusions, don't we? We think we see what's going on and we diagnose and we prescribe all in one hit. We stand in judgment so quickly. You know, you've all seen the action movies where uh, the bad guys launch a nuclear missile at a city, London or Los Angeles or wherever, and the hero fights the bad guys and just manages to reach the kill switch in time and the missile blows up in midair before any damage is done. Listen, your words have no kill switch. And hasty words spoken in anger always hit their target. Do whatever you have to to stop firing them in the first place. It's the same for email. There's no abort switch on my laptop. Once it's gone, it's gone. Do whatever you can to create a gap between what's happening and how you react. I remember. At uh, one time, I was having a, a slightly tense afternoon with my children. I'm sure none of you have ever experienced that. But uh, I was overtired and not hiding it well. And I talked with one of my boys about tidying up the Lego in the room. And uh, I went upstairs and discovered that he'd, he felt it was much better to play with the Lego rather than tidy it away. And uh, in my haste and my annoyance, I said to him, What are you doing? There's Lego everywhere. I can't believe it. You're so lazy. And there it was. The words were out of my mouth. As soon as I blurted it out, I thought, oh, what have I done? Unfortunately, so did my son. And um, he's well trained. So he, he said to me, he said, Daddy, I think you mean that I'm being lazy, not that I am lazy. Oh. <laughs> I said, and, uh, I said, Yes, you're right, you're not lazy. And, uh, and then he said, uh, Well, unfortunately, it's too late now, isn't it, Daddy? I said, yes. And he said, words are powerful, daddy. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Remind me who's the parent in this relationship. All too often, we save our worst for the ones we love the most. Do whatever you can to create a space so that you don't react in anger. I'll be honest with you, there have been occasions, not many, but there have been occasions where I've chosen to go for a walk around the block because I knew I was building up a head of steam and I was gonna take it out on the people I love the most. So if you see me pacing my neighborhood, that's what's going on. But I tell you, I would rather do that than just shoot from the hip and cause permanent damage. Proverbs 18 says this, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his his folly and his shame. I felt as I was preparing this that some of us, uh, maybe mums and dads, but I think possibly particularly dads have said things that we regret in the heat of the moment or that we have had others say things to us in the heat of an angry moment. And we've fired off a verbal missile and we've hurt those ones that we love the most. So if there's a hair trigger on your anger, take heed, James's words, be quick to listen and slow to anger. Mocha again, Alec Mocha said this, the great talker is rarely a great listener, and never is the ear more firmly closed than when anger takes over. It's powerful, isn't it? Look, people matter to God. That's why we're doing this series, so that we might connect with people more effectively. Some of us might stand back and say, well, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm more of a task-orientated person. I'm, I'm about the task. To which I'd say to you, I think people are the task. I think people are God's mission. That's why you're here on planet Earth. That's why you've not gone straight to heaven. Because God has got people for you to reach here on planet Earth. And that's why we have to become really good at listening to people. God has put people in front of you that you might love them. As it says in John 17, that he's given people to you for that moment. When you're talking to someone, will you be with them? Will you emotionally connect with them, listen to them? Because one of the things we'll discover is that when we start to listen to others, well then we start to have influence with people. And if we start to listen to others, then lo and behold, they will in turn listen to us. And if our primary needs have been met in God, then there's no need for me to get airtime anywhere else. It's a bit, I'll finish this illustration, it's a bit like, any of you have been on an aircraft, you'll know they do the safety briefing at the start. And they say to you, don't they, if the cabin depressurizes, the oxygen masks will drop down. They say to you, put your own oxygen mask on first before you tend to the children with you. It's a bit like that. We get everything we need from God. We put our own mask on. He supplies all that we need. And then in turn, we can then demonstrate love to all those around us. We can demonstrate acceptance, honor, and generosity by becoming those who are attentive to God and attentive to those around us. Will you join me and work on this one? Don't just, you know, settle for, oh, well, I struggle with listening or I'm task-orientated. Will you work with me on this, demonstrating love to all those that Jesus has placed around you? Why don't we close and pray together, yeah? How about this? You've been sat for a while. Why don't you stand with me and we'll just invite God to come and seal this in our hearts. It sometimes helps to focus in on God just by closing your eyes. That's true of worship as well. It sometimes just um, avoids distractions. So maybe you just want to close your eyes with me and focus in on God for a moment. And uh, I know this has been very practical and kind of down to earth, but that doesn't make it any the less spiritual. So God has been nudging some of you here this morning and I want to give you space to respond to him. So God, we say to you, uh, would you be the source of all that we give out to others? Thank you that you say in 1 John that love comes from God and that's why we should love others. Let us receive love from you. Let us become really good at being attentive to the words of affirmation that you speak over each one of us. Some of you here right now, you know that it's been, life has been so hectic. It's been a long time since you actually sat down and listened to how he loves you. And you become dry and weary giving out but not receiving and God says to you it's not to be that way I want you to give to others out of the overflow of what you have received from me that there's a place a secret place where you can listen and you can speak to me so that means that you don't have to get your needs met elsewhere and I believe for others of us that we know that we've been so busy on our tasks and what we want to do and feel need to do that we've lost sight of the people around us. Maybe lost time and energy for the ones that we love. And if that's you then, it's just an opportunity to come back to God and repent and say, God, I'm, I'm coming back to you. I want to, once again, live out of the overflow of what you've given to me. And then lastly, I believe that there are some of us here, we know if we're honest, uh, we've fired off those missiles in anger and there's no abort switch and they've hit their target. And for us, we've been carrying guilt and shame because we've hurt the ones we love the most. Sometimes we, we save the worst for the people that we care about the most. If that's you, just whilst people's eyes are closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond because sometimes there's guilt and there's shame that goes along with outbursts of anger where we regret what we said in haste. If that's you, I just want to give you a fresh start in God. If you're not. As Wendy said, we want to be family to one another, stand with one another, pray for one another. So if the ministry team want to go and pray, and we have guys praying with guys and ladies praying with ladies. So if you see somebody with a hand raised, why don't you just simply ask them, how can I pray for you? And then let's just seek to minister to them, to love them, practice listening to them. And I believe that for many of us here, there's forgiveness where there's shame from anger. We break shame now in the name of Jesus. For others of us, there's healing where words have lodged and pain's been caused. We Speak healing over you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Some of you, I feel like you're not to leave this place today until you've actually talked it out with somebody. You need to have said, look, these are the words I said and I deeply regret them. There needs to be a confession in order for you to receive full restoration. So I said you don't leave the building today without having confessed to somebody. For others, you've been deeply wounded. You just need somebody to pray. So I'd encourage you again, don't leave without having received some prayer this morning. Thank you so much, Father. So Father, we thank you for all that you've done today. And Father, we pray for your hand of favour on us. Let us be brilliant attentive listeners to all those you placed around us, I pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We, um, Jesus is really here doing some deep work in people's hearts, so I don't, want, I don't want us to rush away. I want us to be family together, so just why don't we just even turn to each other and pray. If there's someone near you, ask them if there's anything you can pray for. It's just a great opportunity to bless each other and be family together. If you are here and you're not yet a Christian and you want to know more about Jesus, we've got an amazing team over here to my left. Do go and speak to them. They would love to talk to you about Jesus and how much He loves you. If you're sick in your body or you want a breakthrough in any way, also these guys would love to pray for you. So do go over there. They'd love to speak to you. But other than that, we're going to officially end the meeting, but don't feel like